Hi, and welcome to Hyperfixations, the podcast where we invite various interesting people on to talk about their niche interests that they could just talk forever about. Here are your hosts. I'm Ali. And I'm Nigel. And today we have Sean. Sean, how are you? I'm not too bad. Uh, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate being here. Um, how are you? Good, We're yeah. Good, yeah, yeah. Thanks for being on. And what are you here to talk to us about today? I am here to delve into the mysterious and macabre world of Scooby-Doo. Um, more specifically, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. And just in general, I suppose, that kind of... That kind of tone, that kind of era, you know, Mystery Incorporated and how that kind of developed, I suppose, from the live-action movies and the 90s animated movies like Zombie Island and such. And just, yeah, just kind of have the chats about that, kind of have a bit of fun while doing it. And, yeah. Mm. Sure. Yeah, when I heard this was what you were going to be discussing, I got very, very excited because Mystery Incorporated is, like, extremely close to my heart. Um, I really, really like Scooby-Doo, but Mystery Incorporated uh, especially. So, um, why did you pick Mystery Incorporated for your episode today? I feel like Mystery Incorporated just does a brilliant job of encompassing, like, all of the Scooby-Doo lore while still having like such a balanced tone like so obviously it's got like it is a more dark and serious um kind of iteration of scooby-doo you know you've got some kind mm -hmm. of real monsters in there similar to the way like in zombie island and which is ghost like it's not all just men in masks but as well as that like you've got your individual mysteries but it's got this overarching plot as well that kind of delves into like i suppose lovecraftian lore and stuff like that it's just i thought it was a really interesting take that took a more serious direction without compromising i suppose like the silliness and kind of tongue-in-cheek humor that we that we know from scooby-doo Um, i just think because obviously it brings in things from like various different iterations and ties them together so you've got like obviously hex girls guest star in some episodes you've got like a version of uh, Vincent Van Gogh, the Vincent Price character from Thirteen <laughs> Ghosts, the Scooby Doo, and the fact that they managed to like bring in all these like vastly different like characters and ideas from different like Scooby Doo iterations from over the years, I just thought it was really well done. Like the fact that they managed to put all that together and make it work so well, like it was, just thought it was such an achievement for its time, you know. Hmm. Because. Oh, sorry. Were you going to say something? I. Oh no. <laughs> no, it's just. I think it's interesting. I don't know. How much of Scooby-Doo have you seen, Ali? Like, are you a big fan or was it something maybe that was just on when you were younger or? I never really, like, it's a bit sacrilegious. I've never properly watched, like, you know, like Scooby-Doo Life. I was always aware of it, like, you know, um, being on, like, um, I was always aware of it, like, but it was never something I'd really watch. Like, I've, I've probably seen bits of it and I know I've seen one of the, like, animated movies I know I've seen the live act, the first live action movie, but no, I wouldn't. I don't. I like. I'm kind of new. Like I'm like sort of new to this. Well, like not because everyone knows about Scooby Doo, but like I never really watched it. Hmm. Yeah. So, the, like most of Scooby Doo is kind of like an anthology thing where there's nothing really, uh, like carried through. It's just the same basic plot structure every episode. Um. Mm -hmm. And so, like Sean was saying, it, it, this um, Mystery Incorporated is kind of one of the only Scooby-Doo's that has a plot 
throughout and it, like it, it retains that like monster of the week stuff but it also has a plot which carries across 52 episodes and okay. treats all of the past scooby-doo because there's like 14 different series worth of scooby-doo treats Whoa. all of them as canon that like happened before this and then when the series picks up they're you know they're literally like basically mystery solving icons in their town and there's literally like a museum dedicated like with like models of all of the previous villains that's like yeah these are the uh these are the villains that mystery incorporated have what put away or i suppose in this series they're like these are tourist attractions that mystery incorporated has ruined for our town by proving them not to be spooky <laughs> oh yeah like crystal cove like world's most haunted town and the mm. whole gimmick that like yeah look how haunted that this town is like that there's so many monsters and stuff then you got mystery and coming in like actually you know that's that's like i uh, end this man's whole career yeah literally <laughs> i'm gonna end this like solicitor dressed up as a zombie's whole career <laughs> mm. and it is like it is that especially for um fred jones senior um so oh, okay i suppose for some of this to make sense we need to get into the fact that like scooby-doo mystery incorporated is one of the it's the only one really like there are other scooby-doo with continuing plot lines um you know 13 ghosts of scooby-doo as you mentioned had it before but mystery incorporated yeah. the only one that really like made them full char fully rounded characters with like emotions and relationship developments um, like if maybe you could speak Fred, a bit about that yeah like, like i was just about to say like this is obviously like just a starting point as well but like there's literally an episode where fred like has this realization that just because he's a man doesn't mean he can't have feelings i think it's the first episode with the hex girls i think it's called all fear the phantom and mm. um, where daphne like i think you know in order to trap the the phantom like the villain of the episode i think daphne takes over Thorne's role as the front woman from the Hex Girl. So Fred kind of has his realization that he actually does like Daphne. And like you were saying, like this is I suppose this is kind of like almost a parody of like how the characters are a little bit more developed. He like literally has like a breakdown. He's like, I have feelings. I'm allowed to feel <laughs> this way. He's like he's like, oh, why can't I just be like a normal, like emotionally unavailable guy or something along those lines? Like, why do I have to have feelings? Um, Hashtag struggle. <laughs> um but like i suppose that's like that's kind of like the surface level but like nigel was saying it does kind of delve deeper into these characters i suppose their fears their lives their kind of wants and stuff like that um especially kind of like i think especially with like the character of daphne I feel I am a big fan of how like her character has developed like over the years in general like from being mm. like the damsel in distress to like I suppose in the 90s movies like the animated movies she becomes more independent and then by the live actions she's doing like fucking kung fu and um, so <laughs> Mr. Incorporated it's kind of like she's stuck in this I suppose 
she's from this wealthy family, this affluent family who kind of have her whole life planned out. Like her sisters are all successful. I think one's like an astronaut, one's like a doctor. They have like these like ridiculously kind of successful careers. Daphne kind of wants to do her own thing. Her parents disapprove. They disapprove of Fred. They disapprove of Mystery Inc. So it's good to see her get like this like more in-depth version of Daphne than we've had before. She's not just like the damsel in distress like danger prone Daphne like she ha she's kind of she's got a pretty tough life mm. and it's like so I was doing an awful lot of um I suppose you'd call it like research which is yes. weird because <laughs> it was nothing really related to Scooby-Doo but I watched a 51 minute long video earlier on today on why who was the best character in Scooby-Doo and why it was Fred by um, Brendan Blaber from <laughs> Jello Apocalypse. My roommate sent it to me. He's like, I don't like this isn't really my thing, but I know it's probably up your alley. So here you go. And it was talking about that, like how there's like three different versions of Daphne that you get where it's like, you know, either she's danger prone Daphne where she's falling into traps or getting kidnapped by villains or she's like um you know she's like kind of this savant who knows like how to pick locks and all this kind of thing or she's like will beat the shit out of a man um <laughs> but Mexican luchador like she'll kick him through the sunroof yeah and it's like um the like but the whole point he was making with fred is up until about like 1991 fred had no personality and then when they were making mystery inc they were like okay shaggy and scooby like scooby is the kind-hearted one and shaggy is he's has like a weird trivia base and he's like their whole thing is they're cowards and they like food and velma's the smart one and daphne's the people person what about fred and they were like he drives the mystery machine well that can't be his personality he sets boobage. Oh, that's genius. <laughs> <laughs> His whole personality in the show for a while up until he gets some character development is just he loves traps to the exclusion of all else. Um, <laughs> and they like, go, like, sorry, go on. No, just they lean into this like 250%. They go fucking <laughs> insane. <laughs> They literally like, like take it to thing. fucking ridiculous level. <laughs> There's literally an episode where he's like reading the magazine called like Traps Illustrated or something like that. Or like, <laughs> he asked Daphne like a date to like a trap convention. He's like, like Nigel just said, they lean really hard into it. Like it's like okay, because obviously Fred would have been the one like okay, let's like make a plan, let's trap, let's trap the bad guy. He yeah. is like he has a trap fetish in this show. This man is like this man sweats for a gold trap. They're like, this is his thing. Like we're gonna that this is his thing. Yeah, Jesus Christ! Like this, it's almost like a cross between like a jigsaw origin story, which <laughs> we'll like, touch on later. They're bringing up saw. And... Oh my god! I just remembered that episode. Holy That's fuck. fucking brilliant episode! It's I'm like, sitting here like, okay, <laughs> you're in watch this. the show. Oh my god! I will. But uh, yeah, it's like a himbofication of fred jones i guess yeah we're so the other thing and i think it's my least favorite part of the series is at the start velma is interested romantically in shaggy and they kind of uh, hurt hmm? i was just gonna say that 
I rewatched that with Caitlin, um, and it watching it now, it it's it, not uncomfortable to watch, but it doesn't it doesn't make sense within the context of this show. Yeah, because it's like after the fact, the head writer came out and said that Velma is canonically a lesbian in the series and mm. was just closeted at the time and it's not like jk rowling going back and being like mm, diversity for brownie points like it yeah. makes sense within yeah. the show <laughs> but this is a thing and it's like i was using like this is obviously a point we can talk about but it's like two fred's himbofication it's like they end up with a love triangle basically between velma shaggy and scooby where shaggy you. needs to yeah, where Shaggy needs to pick, and then he picks Scooby, obviously, because they have a, a dynamic. And Velma's <laughs> like, he picked a dog over me. This is the worst thing that can happen. <laughs> and then Fred just... This is the worst day ever. Yeah, and Fred... Towards Scooby. She probably despises him after that for a while. Yeah, and then Fred just blinks and goes, okay, that's great. Glad we've got that out of the way. <laughs> Fred, is, Fred oh. is me. Fred is me. Yeah, That's that man has, like, zero thoughts in his head at all times. <laughs> I'm like, so glad got that done. Nothing to worry about ever now. No thoughts, only <laughs> snaps. <laughs> uh-huh. Or the, like, the one scene, like, speaking of that love triangle, I will never forget. Like, my, I was, I was, I was never so shocked, like, at that, until I seen that one scene where, like, Scooby, I think they're in like a like a garden or something. Scooby like rolls through the bushes and he ends up in this garden where Shaggy and Velma are like on a date and they're like kissing. And Scooby's like in shock and I think like he literally turns to Shaggy and he's all like, Reggie, you're cheating on me or something like that. And it's just like, what Yeah, what is this? Like Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the the start of the Phantom episode because doesn't Scooby yeah. like he he makes his best friend a ventriloquist doll. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about the ventriloquist doll. And he's like trying to make Shaggy jealous by like talking to this. Oh, like, he's right. Ventriloquist dog. This doll, sorry. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. This is such a strange show. Like, obviously, you know, it's a bit hard for someone on the outside. If two people are talking about a piece of media they've both seen. But I think as well, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, it's such a weird show because they draw from so much stuff. Like, if you look at a list of the references for each episode, it's so batshit insane. Like, there is... The, um, you like David Lynch, right, Ali? Oh. And Twin Peaks. Yeah. There is uh, a, a lot of, like, very specific David uh, Lynch... I was about to say David Cage. That's the wrong David. Um, David Lynch. Yeah references there's yeah there's a, a reference to the dancing scene in the uh red and black striped room from twin peaks i haven't seen twin peaks so i don't know the context of it in the show oh, it, yeah no, you know the room the but the guy the the one the the little guy what's the the arm i guess that's what they call yeah, it he the actual actor is in scooby-doo mystery incorporated playing an animated version. yeah an animated version of more or less the same character like there's a scene where scooby falls into some like dream state and he walks into the red room from twin peaks 
and like the the jazzy music is playing and then the arm just walks out like his little backwards kind of reverse walk and he's all like welcome to the sitting room scooby-doo and it's it's the same voice from twin peaks brilliant it's insane yeah I just I'm thinking because there's so many different things you could talk about. That's just this the tip series. of the surface. Like there's so much. Like it goes into a lot of like Lovecraft stuff as well. Obviously, like, oh. there's the, oh. there's, like, the character. There's a character called HP Hatecraft. He's like <laughs> he's like he's like a writer, like a college professor, and then he like they like take the piss out of like the ridiculousness of some of Lovecraft stuff. Like there's like a. Mm-hmm. The monster in that episode, I think it's called like Chargar Gothicon, the beast who hath no name. And the whole running joke <laughs> is that like, oh, you, you just named him, like he clearly does have a name. Um, yeah, because then he starts saying a bunch, and they just become increasingly more and more gobbledygook. And it's like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Again, like, with right, the so. Again, with the reference, yeah. of, like the guy who voices HP Haycraft is uh, Jeffrey Combs from uh, the Reanimator movies, which was obviously based on the. Lovecraft short stories, which I just thought was like a cool little, like it's not really yeah. relevant, but I thought it was a cool little, um, little kind of reference, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, and also in that same episode, the author Harlan Ellison voices himself, and Harlan Ellison. Harlan Ellison. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> famous oh, I, for. I have no mouth and I must yeah. scream. And also for winning a lawsuit against Ridley Scott to say he had the original idea for Alien. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's also like a legend, Che Guevara type character in that episode. Oh like, yes, Daphne joins like some like radical like college society or something like that, and like led by <laughs> some guy called Ernesto, who's just like Che Guevara, basically. Yeah, a, that's just that just sums up Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated, like. At one episode, you've got like Lovecraft references, you've got Jeffrey Combs voicing him, you've got Harlan Ellison just there, you've got like Daphne being radicalized. It's just this it's just so <laughs> much to take in. Like mm. it does seem like an awful lot for like fifty two episodes. But yeah. I just think it came at such a like I think it came at the right time because I feel like mm-hmm. right, the nineties we had Scooby Doo got kind of darker. We had Zombie Island, which is ghost, like Alien Invader stuff like that. Then we had the live action movies, and then like obviously I do like what's new Scooby Doo, and like the kind of movies from around then. But I feel mm. like not that it killed the momentum, but I feel like this kind of newer kind of tone had been built up, and then ah kind of was dropped then they kind of went back to the original formula of oh it's a man in the mask um, and then after uh, what's new scooby-doo we got that awful bloody shaggy and scooby-doo get a clue I- where the fucking spy thing i don't even want to talk after about it. shaggy and scooby-doo get a clue when when did that come out oh uh, it was like mid to late mid 2000s i think Oh, yeah, hold yeah, on. I... I have the year here on my phone because the one of the other things I did was I read an article which was ranking every Scooby-Doo series and Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue 2006 came at the bottom. Um, yeah. For, I for remember reference. when that was on. I remember mm. when it came out and I feel like it could there, this could be a different um, Scooby-Doo, but I feel like it was Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue. But I remember there was an ad on Cartoon Network for the show, and I just really vividly remember it had the song We Don't Speak Americano playing on it. 
Can I get yeah, back that's the one. It was like fucking yeah. like boomerang, like midday, like fucking yeah. Boomerang, yeah, that was the one. Jesus, that's the one. But, and then I I'm willing like... to go to bat for that series, but also just for oh. reference, Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated came third on that list, like oh. with one being the best. Which so would was you number one the original series? Yes. Scooby-Doo, where are you from 1969? I wonder, can you guess what number two is? I'm going to say 13 Ghosts. No. And um, oh, 13 Ghosts it? came, where is it? Uh, number eight. That's Ooh. sacrilege. 13 <clears throat> Ghosts is there way better. It was, was a pup named Scooby-Doo. Never heard you know, of it. I always, over, I always forget about that. And I think it's because it's the only like series without Frank Welker in it at some stage. I don't know. I just kind of always forget about it. But now that does make sense. Yeah, that's basically where they're uh, like younger versions of themselves. Um, oh, basically as kids. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like the yeah. origins basically, yeah. Scooby-Doo origin story. Uh, my main memory of Scooby-Doo, being honest, is just the What's New Scooby-Doo theme song. Yeah, simple plan. <laughs> <laughs> What's this Scooby Doo? Come in after you. Hmm. <laughs> what a song! Uh, what a song! Yeah. To return back to your point about like this, you you said Ali that um is a bit strange to like carry across fifty two episodes, but there is also this plot. So I wonder, Sean, if you could, uh, for Ali and also for people at home, um, sort of like sum up. Kind of like the hook, the intro to the plot, because I feel like giving away a lot of the plot ruins, a, you know, the joy of the series. Where you're like, where the fuck yeah. is this going? Um. So, like Nigel was saying, um, it is they do still maintain the whole monster of the week type thing, where like most, like almost every episode is a different mystery, but it's all set within this town their home well they, they don't they don't live in coolsville in this series first of all let's let's not get out of it let's get that out of the way it's not coolsville they live in this yeah no because fred home. hates coolsville canonically in the second film he says coolsville <laughs> is awful i think coolsville sucks fred thinks coolsville sucks <laughs> but it's so basically they go about solving their mysteries but as they as each episode progresses they find like these other clues that kind of hint that there's something there's like a like a deeper mystery within the town itself and then i think it could i don't think this is too much of a spoiler because it is like early on this shady figure called wait for a mr mr e this shady figure called mr e um gets in touch and he sends them cryptic clues and they kind of get they get kind of roped in, not roped in, they kind of get involved in this, like, conspiracy, but, like, them trying to go after this mystery is putting themselves in danger because there's a lot of kind of dangerous people involved, some, possibly some dangerous forces at work, and um, so, yeah, they're going about their daily stuff, mystery solving, while at the same time, something, like, something bad's bubbling under Crystal Cove, and they're, they're trying their best to get to the bottom of it. The mystery thing, kind of, like I'm just listening to that, I'm like, are we sure this isn't Batman Forever? God, <laughs> Paul Dano is Mr. E in the live-action Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Hey. Uh... <laughs> Zack Schneider, Scooby-Doo. Yes. <laughs> oh God, that I would love to see that. Not to I'd, like, I'd, go... I'd watch that. I would watch that. 
Patrick Wilson as Fred. Can you imagine that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not to like veer too far off um, Nigel's question. Um, I suppose through that, it also kind of relates back to um, what we were saying earlier on about the characters having more depth and stuff. Because, again, without giving too much away, as Mystery Inc. delve more into this overarching mystery within Crystal Cove, they learn certain members learn about how it relates to their own past and their own lives and it's a bit more personal than they initially thought and it kind of makes the mm. stakes feel very high in that sense because it's not just them like such as them like in some like random location kind of like solving this mystery then moving on this is like their hometown this there's people they know that could be involved you don't know who they can trust. They don't know who's like against them. It's just the stakes feel a lot higher in the same way they did in like the live action movies. Hmm. Because um, as well, it's like the hook at the end of the first film is that they find this locket with a question mark on it and a picture of two people inside, and they say like to the guy who gets arrested in the caverns, like, "Oh, you dropped this," and they're like, "No." Uh, he's like that's not mine and then there's a flash of recognition in like the mayor's face and then at the end they get their first contact from mr e where he says like you should have left that buried you know you shouldn't have gone and tried yeah. to uncover this uh thing mm. so it really sets it up as like oh there is a deadly threat to life and limb if you go and pursue these secrets which as sean said lead into some of the characters pasts yeah just because you mentioned uh, like Mayor Jones, like just guess I like so Fred's dad in this version is the mayor, like Mayor right. Fred Jones Senior, and oh he honestly I think he could be like the more I think about Mayor Fred Jones without giving too much away, I think he could be one of my favorite characters like in recent Scooby Doo lore, um, yeah, like Gary Cole voices him, he's like he's been in a lot of stuff, he's like a character actor, but he like. He brings a lot of layers to this character who's initially introduced as kind of like a bumbling, kind of embarrassing, like stereotypical da. And then mm. as the series progresses, as like Fred kind of comes to terms with things about himself, things come into light. Again, I don't want to like spoil the whole show, but it's just it's a good dynamic there between Fred and his dad, which again bleeds into what we were saying earlier about how the characters are a lot more fleshed out this time around. Yeah, and it's like everything seems to be connected. Where, um, again, this is like there's so much you have to dance around. Um, so I know. I know. In episode two, the the crawling creatures isn't something like that. Gators That's what it's called. The, yeah, the gators. Yeah, there's these like gator people, and they go and stay in this town called Gatorsburg, and they stay at this. Um, they stay at this uh hotel basically called uh the drowsy gator and it's got a sign out the front where it's like the drowsy gator various and sundry goods or something like that and the letters on it flicker out some of them to reveal a message and it's a scary message at the time but then it also like becomes really really important like 40 episodes down the line it's like it's got some good foreshadowing i feel yeah so it's like really it's more of the con like it's a show that focuses more on continuity than, than maybe some of the others 
Exactly, yeah, no, 100%. It puts, like, a big emphasis on the continuity and, like, this, like, background plot. Like, while still, like, it, I think from what we've been saying, like, we make it sound like it's, like, a like it's a really serious show. Like, even though it does go a bit more serious in tone, it still maintains that kind of wacky slapstick, like, mm. Scooby-Doo. Like, there's a whole episode where Scooby-Doo has a fever dream that he's at this, like, mystery solvers club. And again, <laughs> harking back to, like, older iterations of Scooby-Doo, it brings in, like, older Hanna-Barbera characters, like, Captain Caveman and the Funky Captain Phantom. Captain Caveman! <laughs> I'm the Funky Phantom, don't you know? Like, they bring in all these, like, like kind of mm. almost obscure, like, characters, like, I feel like your parents would have, like, enjoyed when they were kids. Like, it's still, yeah. like, it's... I mean, yeah, it's all this like mystery and like this like grim stuff happening. They, every now and again, they'll still take time to be like, "This is still Scooby Doo." Like, it's still you're, you're still allowed to laugh, you know? Yeah, yeah, still gonna fall yeah. Because that is the thing. Like Hanna Barbera found the magical formula with Scooby Doo, and then they decided to make a rash of shows, which was um, four humans and an intrepid. Uh, anthropomorphized, I suppose, sidekick, uh, making the oh, fifth member. The Jabberjaw? The shark, yeah, yeah, like you have a shark, a talking shark called Jabberjaw, you have a, a like a talking dune buggy called Speed Buggy, uh, you have Captain Speed Caveman, buggy. who is a, yeah, he's a, he's a caveman who was unfrozen from ice and helped solve mysteries with his wooden club. <laughs> um, yeah do you have do you have any questions about the series ali because i feel i feel like i don't want to i don't want to exclude you um yeah i feel like we've done the guts of the talking here i feel like it's your turn (laughs) i'm honestly i'm honestly trying to think like i'm like where do where do i start with this because like i said like um i never really watched scooby-doo like i certainly don't think i've seen any of mystery incorporated actually although i definitely want to after um after hearing about this um, where to go from here? Um, sorry, my brain is like asleep. <laughs> but um, so you mentioned that like you know like the characters they get like um, like kind of a bit more a bit more development, a bit more kind of um, like depth, I suppose. I can think like who do you think is your who would be your favorite character then in Mystery Incorporated specifically? I suppose the Scooby Gang or in general. Like from the I was show. thinking the Scooby. I was thinking the Scooby Gang, but like, uh, but like, f- both like from the Scooby Gang and yeah. outside. Because see, that's the thing with Mystery Incorporated as well. Every single person on the cast of like supporting characters, even if they show up for like one episode, they're so fantastic. There's a dude mm. who shows up in like three episodes, and his main characteristic is pointing out that his last name is not pronounced avocados. He's fantastic. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, George Avocados. There's all the sheriff. The sheriff of the town is um, voiced by Patrick Warburton. Um, it's a fantastic performance. Um, canonically, in the series, his first name is Sheriff. He was christened Sheriff Bronson Stone. <laughs> I didn't have a whole play. <laughs> yeah. I think he's probably one of my favorite characters, like outside of Mystery oh. Inc. Definitely. And I think Patrick Warburton just brings like a certain sense of personality to that role. Like his voice is just like so iconic and just I feel like if anyone else had a voice Sheriff Stone, it wouldn't have been the same. 
Hmm. Uh, I don't like voice work as well in this series is really, really good. There's another great, absolutely fantastic character called Hot Dog Water, who is voiced by Linda <gasps> Cardellini, who played yes. Velma in the live action films. And ah, yes. The original voice for Shaggy Casey Kasem voices Shaggy's father in the series. That's right. Yeah. And uh, there's so many like look like in the like on the topic of the voice acting, like there's a lot of kinda it can be kinda reference heavy sometimes. Like it's a real obscure stuff, like when I was saying earlier about bloody uh, Jeffrey Combs being in it. Like there's so there's another there's another talking animal in the show without giving too much away. He's more of like a I suppose in, to put it well, it's he's like there's a character in the show who's like Moriarty to Scooby Doo's Sherlock Holmes, and he's mm. a, an, a talking parrot named Professor Pericles. But he's voiced by this German actor uh, Udo Kier, who's like a like a B movie icon like he did a lot he did a lot of stuff for andy warhol he like did a lot of like uh kind of b horror movies i think he was in blade actually i think he plays one of the vampires in blade as well and huh. um, even one of those like kind of b movie actors to show up in like rob zombies halloween or something like that yeah um so that, i thought that was crazy like that they got him to play this like sinister parrot um yeah because that's the thing, then, it really is sinister in certain aspects. Like, every time he speaks, it feels like a threat. Um, oh, he's not... He's played dead serious. And again, it sounds ridiculous because he's a talking parrot. But he is he's genuinely intimidating. He's, he's a pretty guy. Like. He is. He's one of the yeah. like, coldest uh, Scooby-Doo villains ever. Like, uh, he's more... He's more... He's te more terrifying than, like, the bloody... The were cats from Zombie Island, like he's he's stone cold. He he gets re he gets darker as the show goes on as well. Like he kind of yeah. he's kind of introduced as sort of like this Hannibal Lecter type character that like I think the first time we see him, Mystery Incorporated or Scooby Doo on his own actually go to see him in his cell to get like to kind of like understand the villain of the episode. They go to speak to this like unquote criminal mastermind who just happens to be a talking parrot and um, but as the show progresses we learn more about this character and how he relates to like mystery inc and just it gets it goes to some pretty dark places people in the show die like... hmm? people in the show die without spoiling anything there are okay so like it's not it's not ever shown explicitly. Like, there's not blood and gore in Scooby Doo, but it's like severely hinted at. And then the cri the creators yeah. uh, came along and they were like, "Yeah, no, they're dead. They got murdered." That it's one's dead. Like, yeah. It's mm. interesting, actually. Like in like kind of more, like in the kind of like kids shows or animated shows, and like, like you know, that are like you know, kind of oh, they they're like funny and kind of lighthearted and stuff. But then like you know, maybe there's that one character or that one scene or something that where like things kind of start to go dark like i feel like that's always the thing like when you're older and you're especially when you're older and you're like looking back you're like jesus that was like kind of intense <laughs> yeah no 100 percent. i feel like there's a lot of that in mystery incorporated as well um even aside from like people dying and stuff like that there's like one episode i think it's called the what's the episode hold on bear with me now it's think yeah episode five song of mystery where like basically the whole 
the whole thing is that the kids of Crystal Cove <laughs> are being like. Sorry, I've just remembered a detail about that episode. Continue. Is it Broccoli Head? No, 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 no. Okay. Um. Th- so basically, the whole thing in this episode is that the kids of Crystal Cove are being almost hypnotized by this uh, this masked uh, pan pipe player called K Horrifico, and they really? basically turns these kids into like feral monsters who like attack everyone and i just think i feel like even in like some horror like i feel like kids kind of like getting like harm coming to kids is still a little bit taboo so for a skill yeah. to be like right, these kids are being brainwashed they're turned into like crazy monsters they're gonna like they're gonna like go feral on you like i just thought it's kind of dark like because like, kids be watching that being like oh I am like I I could be I'm vulnerable too like it's not just like you are like at risk here like these these this come for me too like um, although Nigel you're you're laughing the kids are being you were laughing the kids are being hypnotized into feral monsters (laughs) and you're laughing (laughs) yes I am I am it's funny and I'm tired of pretending it's not um (laughs) this is my joker moment what was what was um what were you thinking about? Talk about from that episode. So these kids are turned into feral monsters, and they chase their parents away. So it is. It ends up being like these deserted neighborhoods of just feral children. Um, but so Sheriff Bronson Stone, voiced by Patrick Warburton, keeps saying the children they've been spookified like that. <laughs> the way he said is so fucking funny. But then every time they say spookified or K horrifico, they have this little like panpipe um sound effect in the background that they play this goes like (laughs) (laughs) and it's so ridiculous because it's like these are vulnerable children you know that are being you know because like at this stage they're assuming that the monster is real and the government okay so we we kind of touched on this earlier the government of crystal cove is inclined to believe that the monsters are real so they can boost their tourism sales um, but yeah, it's like these children are being preyed on by this creature in the night, which is turning them evil and breaking apart the bonds of family. But then you have Yikes. just this ridiculous sound cue um, because like it extends to when they go and talk to this expert on like Mesoamerican civilizations and stuff. And he's like, yeah, Carrifico, and it keeps playing the fucking panpipe. Oh, <laughs> But it works. It works. Scooby Doo Mystery Inc. can strike that tonal balance. You think? Um, you think Parasite twenty nineteen had like a great tonal balance? Parasite Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated walked so that Parasite twenty nineteen could run. That's that's the hill I'm gonna go. That's the takeaway from today. That's the main (laughs) takeaway from today's episode. The moral of the story is yeah, yeah. (laughs) You get it. So. You had to pick a favorite character from the like Scooby Gang, like the main kind of the main five. Who would it be, or like, do you have one? Or because oh, I feel like in general, I'm always like gonna go like I'm always gonna say Shaggy, just because sure, I just think sure. it's hilarious. And um, in the context of the show, I feel like he he does get like. He does get his like development and Matthew Lillard. This is like the first animated series where Matthew Lillard came on to voice him full time. Um, I don't think they do as much with him in the show as they could. They obviously explore his close bond with Scooby and stuff like that, but he's still Shaggy. I think 
I do like the direction they took with Daphne in the show. Um, just this whole thing of like having her whole life planned out for her and kind of feeling trapped, even though she has this like seemingly perfect life, and her kind of mm. like coming into her own and like I think it kind of represents her character as a whole, where she was like she was written as this like kind of stereotype, and like over the years she kind of broke out of that like box. Yeah, I think like yeah, I just I, t- I like the direction they took with her in the show, and like I know in some of the early episodes she's kind of falling over Fred a bit, but. As the series progresses, she kind of cops on. She's like, "Hang on, like I, I can do this for myself. I don't need like, mm. I don't." She kind of becomes more reliant on herself, and it's it's a good it's a good take on the character, I think. Yeah, like I don't need Fred the trap. <laughs> exactly, exactly. She's like, uh, "I'm not his trap queen." Remember that song? Mm. Are you are. Yeah. I'm okay. What's up? Just yeah. for that. <laughs> That's a Not at all. I have no no cultural awareness of this song. All I know about Fetty Wap is he's missing an eye, correct? Yes, he is. Yes, that's that's all I know about Fetty Wap. That and he raps. That's it. Um, I'm just not into the rap scene. It's not like my cultural wheelhouse. This is like completely. Well, no, it is very much right. Skipping Mr. Incorporated, but just because when you said missing an eye, I just thought of like an eye patch. And I just remembered the character oh. of Skipper Shelton. <laughs> Who's he? Who's, who is this? In Crystal Cove, there is like this beachside, I suppose, rest fast re- seafood restaurant, um, called the Clam Cavern. And the Clam Cavern is old, owned by a guy named Skipper Shelton, who is like your stereotypical sea captain guy. You know, he's like, yeah, he talks, he talks like that, but. He has like an eye patch on his nose. He has like a, he has this like patch over his nose that is like is like scar and all. Why not? Like, no, like, there is a reason. It, there is a reason. Yes, they do kind of. A clam bit off me nose while I was shucking it. <laughs> it's like let's. How can we take him like further? Like again, going back to how mystery ink just like does everything like to. 100% it's like okay we've got him in like the sailor outfit we've got him talking like a Captain Ahab mm. what else can we do let's put a fucking eye patch on his nose like it's, it's that kind of like ridiculous kind of like absurd shit that makes the show so mm. work like amidst all this fucking dark stuff I'm sorry completely interrupted uh, Nigel who's your favourite character in the Mystery Inc out of the original fo- I'm gonna say like overall I'm gonna say Scooby Doo right, like cause that's what I kind of fell in love with um as a kid was this talking dog um you know i like i'm a big dog person i love so i'm a big dog person in the sense that i really really like dogs and i also really really like big dogs and scooby-doo is a great dane and i want one of them um but i also feel like in the context of mystery incorporated i kind of like the sheer unhinged energy that fred has um yeah (laughs) you know because for the first time for the first time really he gets a definable personality um and he also just has some of the strangest moments like character moments that aren't purely development there is a um at the start of season two fred is homeless um wandering around door to door like with his clothes in disarray a bindle on his back and like a beard like a massive beard um Yeah, that like that's what the show does. Fred, Fred's really going through it like. 
Oh, yeah. Fresno and Truett. And if you watch the show, you'll see why. You know what? When you watch it, it'll make more sense. Like right now, it sounds ridiculous. Like Fred growing out this massive beard and becoming homeless. But when you watch it in the show, it's like, you know what? Like that's like in the context of this, that that's exactly what would happen. This makes perfect sense. Mm. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, one of the other things I wanted to touch on was the villains. Because like Scooby-Doo... It's kind of like what really makes it is the monsters of the week. And from what we said before, there's like they have the the museum full of these statues of all the classic Scooby-Doo villains, including Scrappy-Doo. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's and like way. they allude to this. Yeah, because there's there's literally a shot where they look at him in the museum and Fred puts his hands over Daphne's eyes and goes, no, 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 don't acknowledge it. <laughs> don't look at it. Can we just yeah. also mention that they even like give Flim Flam a shout out in that same scene? They're, mm. they're like, oh, Flim Flam, remember him? Then they say, what is it? <laughs> he, Fred's like, oh, he got arrested for like theft or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because Flim Flam is this character, okay, who was meant to be a hookster from, I think, Tibet or somewhere That's around there. I don't. Brooklyn, though, he's all like, hey, Scooby, <laughs> Flim yeah. Flam. Well, yeah, because he's, he's voiced by a white woman. <laughs> in the 1970s he's certainly, he's certainly not from Tibet <laughs> yeah exactly but so the thing yeah the thing with the 13 ghosts as well is it was this show where the the adventuring group was made up of Shaggy uh, Scooby, Scrappy Daphne and Vincent Van Gogh and Flim Flam and Fred and Velma were not in it but then the show was ended before um, before the final ghost was put to rest. And so then they mm. had to do this, like, only a couple years ago, they made, like, a direct-to-DVD finale for the show with Fred and mm. Velma in it. And so, like, they canonically go, like, have Fred be aware of Flim Flam in Mystery Incorporated, but then in Scooby-Doo and the 13th Ghost, Fred is like... Fred and Velma are like, Hey, Daphne, when did you have time... Or this like globe trotting demon hunting um mission and they're like, Oh, you were at camp that one summer. Yeah. <laughs> I really but, as well, like on the topic of the Tortian ghosts, the fact that like they incorporated Vincent Van Gogh into the series. Like Vincent Van Vincent Price is my all time favourite actor. Um and like the fact that he was in Scooby Doo was like a huge thing, like because obviously like Fan, big fan of old and obviously like he passed away in the 90s so but i feel like the voice actor did like a great job of like kind of they take this like, obviously, uh maurice lamarche was who voiced who him yeah yeah he's like he does such a good impression but also like they do a great job of taking this initial character and like making him work in the context of mystery incorporated without kind of like compromising on that like he's still vincent like so in the original Sorry, I'm trying a lot of information out here, but anyway. In Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, Vincent Van Gogh is like a warlock who acts as the gang's, I suppose, like, mystical advisor and, like, helps them, like, fight some more supernatural elements. Um, they use the character, they kind of reboot the character for Mystery Incorporated in that he is more of, like, a Vincent Price character. He's, like, a, like a, an old, like... Horror 
movie star who starred in all these B movies and Shaggy and Scooby Doo love his movies. Then he shows up as like a guest star in a couple of episodes. So I, that's I thought that was another good way of like incorporating like a classic character while still making them work within this universe because he's a bit of more like obviously he's like a warlock in the original series so he's more of a like kind of out there character so it was nice to see them bring him in and make him work and he's got some like he's got some good episodes. yeah i'm thinking of like night fright which again goes back to the thing of villains um, yes yes which it has my just like on voice lines as well with the museum, Velma is like, her parents own the museum, and she has to give a guided tour of all the spooky things that happen. And she's just like, deadpan monotone, being like, you know, like, oh, Charlie the Haunted Funhouse Robot, which was actually this dude. And it's like, <laughs> and my favorite thing that I quote continually is she just deadpan is like, and who can forget the terrifying stylings of Space Kook? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like one of the opening scenes as well. Like it really sets the bar high. Yeah, Velma is so sarcastic and sassy. This, like, in this show, she is. They take it a step further again. Like she's not just skeptical. She is like she is cynical. She is tired. She's like sick of working in our parents' fucking museum. She's just. She's exhausted. Fell. She is. Mm. She's fed up. She's her, her boyfriend cares more about his dog than he does about her. She's like frustrated with that for some reason. It is like a lot. She's got a lot going on. <laughs> so I feel like we are. I do think we. I do want to talk more about the villains though because I feel like that's, that's something we have only kind of brushed brushed off. Like. Mm. Yeah. Hold on. Let me see now. I. Yeah, because you have the classic Scooby-Doo villains. You've got like the you know Space Kook, which is the giant alien um, spacesuit with the skull in the top-looking thing. You have the Tar Monster. You have the Creeper, um, things like that. Now, <laughs> what if we just said some some villains like in a very very like unhelpful description to Ali? I'd just be like, yeah, these are the villains. <laughs> oh, right. I've got a good one. Right. Yeah. Because so, just so. In episode 18, Mystery Inc. and Hex Girls reunite in order to take on an undead ska band. In episode 3, the gang take on a ghost uh, long-haul truck, which is stealing doorknobs from around town. In... In the beginning of season two, there is a villain who is this giant kind of like this big hulking clown. But if they go a step further again, he's a big hulking clown in a baby bonnet and a nappy who like he's also voiced by Mark Hamill, by the way, first of all. So he, he, it's everyone the show. If we got this far into, into the episode for like letting me know that Mark Hamill was in this show. He, yeah, he plays this, like, gigantic, uh, clown baby. I'm crybaby clown. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> and can we also... I, those are my least favourite episodes, despite the fact that it's Mark Hamill. I hate it. There's actually a villain that I really like, who I can only describe as the love child of Freddy Krueger and Jared the Goblin King from Labyrinth. Do you remember that episode? Yes, the Dreamweaver. Yes. 
Yeah. That, that was a good villain. And also, I think it's in that episode where, like, doesn't isn't there a scene, I think it's in this one, where, like, Sheriff Stone, like, finds this, like, puzzle box, and then, like, he opens a door and you hear this, like, pinhead-type voice being, like, Ugh. <laughs> It's like, fucking, what the hell, Razor? Like, what, what is that doing here? Yeah, the show is so weird because it's like part of part of its self-awareness is like making increasingly more ludicrous villains. Um and when when their foils are when their plans are foiled, there's an increasingly more and more ludicrous I would have gotten away f- with it if it weren't for you meddling kids and that darn dog. <laughs> yeah, there's like loads of crazy variations of that within the show. There's one, I think we touched about it earlier, and while we're still kind of looking at like the villains and stuff, I think we need to talk about the Saw episode. I was very proud. Yes. So, like, the whole Take it thing, away, Sean. <laughs> in, so, basically, the whole thing, like, there is this overarching mystery, and as the gang kind of veer away from, like, their usual Monster of the Week thing, as they get a bit more deeper into this, um, this mystery of the town of Crystal Cove, they find themselves at this kind of like I think it's like a mansion, but I think it's like a mansion that's under the city. Like it there was like an earthquake and the mansion is like underground. So they go to this like underground mansion to find mm. like a lead on this mystery. But the mansion is rigged with like various death traps that are kind of operated by this like weird old dude who like sits up in a room with all these monitors. And, like, there's a scene where they're, like, I think Daphne and Fred are, like, tied in, like, a swimming pool that's slowly filling up with water. And it's just weird. Like, it's, like, it's really kind of, like, it really gets dark. Mm. Yeah. And the thing as well is the voice on the speakers claims to know them, despite the fact that they've never been down there as well. So they're, like, you won't get away with this after the last time. So that's another, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, it goes Mystery, Corp- really... Mystery Incorporated came out in the 90s, am I right? 2010. No. Oh, sorry, never mind. <laughs> like it's, it is fairly recent. Um, mm. But it's also really funny that that's a Saw, uh, like, that's a Saw one, and that's, like, you know, one of the big horror franchises from the 90s, as well as, like, Scream, which starred Matthew Lillard. Um, of course, mm. yeah. And then again, going back to like the the Dreamweaver, like the whole Freddy Krueger thing, and like you know, in the episode with the Fry Hound, there's that like so there's an episode where like I can't I feel like I'm kind of the villain of it. the show, the the villain of the episode is this demonic version of Scooby Doo, like Scooby Doo from Hell. <laughs> and then there's like a brilliant evil Scooby Doo. There's like a brilliant Terminator reference in that episode without giving too much away but it's you're oh. watching it like, oh my sweet jesus this is incredible this is this that's is great. television yeah that's another kingdom. one of the like oh sorry no i was just saying that mystery incorporated is keno mm. like that is that is another one of the like really terrifying episodes because like it starts with this like demonic version of scooby-doo landing on the top of a tour bus and like ripping through the roof of it with its teeth um to all the like helpless passengers inside 
And like the boss Jesus. explodes. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, again, yeah, like people get off no the bus. Thing subtlety bus. in this show. No, there is. There's subtlety with the mystery. But there is. It, I suppose the everything else is dialed up to like fucking twelve. <laughs> <laughs> One villain I just remembered, um, who I really like is Alice May. <gasps> yes. Because I think it was like one of the first times in the show where it, like really kind of like harked back to like the older villains. It almost felt like almost felt like Green Goblin type thing. That kind of like you know taking up the mantle from an older kind of villain. Yeah. I just thought that was a really good detail. Even though, yeah, no, I'm not saying too much about it, but um, I really like Alice May. I think it's a good way of kind of connecting, like, like bringing an older villain. Taking an older villain and kind of updating them. Oh my god. It's so hard to talk about this show without spoilers. Well, yeah. Yeah, but see, that's as well early enough in the show. That's episode six, right? The Legend of Alice yeah. May. Yeah. Where you get some of the, like, like, overall plot of the series, like, from the very beginning with the locket and Mr. E. And then in this one, you get like even more at the end when the limo shows up and you're like, what is this? So like, you know, you only have to get six episodes in to have like these various disparate elements of the plot be thrown at you and be like, yeah, how the fuck? Because everything is connected and everything is important. And that's like, that's all really you can say. Yeah. Seems like a show that just has to be experienced, like, to be honest. Yeah, I remember when it originally aired we were watching it on i don't remember whether we watched it on cartoon network or boomerang but i remember because this was like season one and it was getting up to the finale of season one which ends on like an absolute like bombshell in the sense that like yeah you get like this massive revelation but it also like just destroys everything that you thought you knew about the show like they dump all yeah. this new information on you that you're like, what? But also it leaves it leaves like every single main character in such a vulnerable position. Like this is when Fred becomes homeless. This is before Fred becomes homeless and grows out the beard. Like it it hits hard. Yeah, this is before Scooby Doo basically gets sent to prison. Um <laughs> Shaggy has to go join the army. He like they shave his head. He has like a little buzz cut then at the start of season two. It's like it's mm. a lot. The wait between the season one finale and the like premiere season two was so grueling. Like I remember, like even at the time being First. like, "Fuck, what's gonna happen next? Where are they gonna go from here?" Yeah. It's just it, it was well, really kind of like it hit hard. Yeah, when that was happening, like my parents were out of the house or something because we were babysitting the small children, and so like it was. So my family is like, there's four of us who are like quite close in age. Like I'm 21 and the youngest of those four is like nearly 17 and then there's like a gap and then there's four younger ones um and so we were like looking after one of them i can't remember who it was at the time because they were like you know maybe two or three um and we would literally because we were all like what the hell is going to happen in 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 mystery incorporated and so we'd be like taking it in shifts where we go and like We'd, we'd go out and like watch the children for like 10 minutes and then we'd cycle back in after 10 minutes so we could watch more of Mystery Incorporated. I have this really kind of surreal memory of Mystery Incorporated. Um, 
so like obviously like would have aired on Cartoon Network and stuff like that but like I remember like each week I would go onto like Wikipedia to see if there was any information about like what next week's episode would be about hmm. and then I remember like on the den like RTE2 the den they were like showing episodes that hadn't even aired yet like that, that hadn't even been put up on like Wikipedia yet I was like what the hell is this is what then we're getting like the season finale like ahead of like the rest of the world like i was like this what's happening here like dustin the turkey like stealing like um episodes of scooby-doo to like get them on the dead before anyone else i can't believe dustin the turkey stole episodes from scooby-doo fans and then started a war with the directioners uh, Dustin yeah. the Turkey stealing like the Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated episodes for the Den. It's almost like the Prometheus myth. Like Dust from yeah, he was punished by <laughs> Cartoon Network by like being tied to a rock, and every day like Scrappy Doo eats his insides, and then they grow back the next day, and he like lives in that cycle. That's why Dustin's never on television anymore. He's he's on this rock being like devoured by Scrappy Doo mm. every day. He was he they let they let him off though, like so he could like start the foot like Niall Horan stands. Yeah, it's like, okay, we let you off on the one condition, right? You know, Niall Horan, we need to like store things up with his fan base. Like, if you do yeah. that, like, put I just remember that, like, when they were trying to like track down the guy behind us in Turkey, they were like, this American person Ray was Darcy. like, oh, it's like Ray Darcy. And I was just like, I saw this tweet saying, like, I'm up in a heap at the idea of like whatever RT in turn has to explain the concept of stand culture to Ray Darcy. <laughs> They were like, his name is Ray Darcy. Do with this information what you will. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I really like opening like, like he's Ray not Darcy. A... Yeah. Just but waking also, up and spe- like seeing that. <laughs> Speaking of character assassinations. So, um, to tie it back into Scooby-Doo and the scene I <laughs> mentioned earlier on with Scrappy-Doo, um, where they're like, don't acknowledge it. So Scrappy Doo is kind of this universally hated. How aware of you? How aware are you of Scrappy Doo, Ali? I know that in TV tropes, he has a trope named after him, the Scrappy, which is a character that everyone hates. Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing: he was a part. All he was introduced in the new Scooby Doo series as, um, as an attempt to like market the show more towards younger viewers, basically, because yeah. you know he's Scooby Doo's, I think, nephew or something like that. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. nephew. Yeah, and so people didn't like him then, but basically he was still kind of around uh, up until the first live-action Scooby-Doo film, which you've seen, where Scrappy-Doo pilots Mecha Rowan Atkinson to try and start the apocalypse. Um, Scrappy Cornelius do. Yeah. Oh! (laughs) Right? But see, the screenwriting for that film, the script was written by James Gunn, director of guardians of the galaxy if, if you ser- if you search his name online with the phrase scrappy do you will find multitudes of tweets of him saying he he fucking hates scrappy do and so it's there's i've not been able to I'm find any this. yeah i've not been able to find any instances of this confirmed as true but it basically seems like he created this abhorrent portrayal of Scrappy-Doo in the film just so everyone would hate Scrappy-Doo and not be featured in any more Scooby-Doo media. 
So he basically wiped Scrappy-Doo off the face of the fucking planet with this character assassination. James Gunn oh, did exactly yeah. what he said he was gonna do, like, um... Which was destroy Scrappy-Doo. Okay, I looked it up and I've just seen Scrappy, like, Scrappy-Doo from the movie and I am, like, um... Just shaking and crying. I forgot that he looked like that. Yeah, God. Yeah, why does he look like that? And for what? <laughs> Oh, the scene where, like, when he, when he goes from, like, monster Scrappy to, like, normal Scrappy, and he's, like, shrinking, and the proportions are all weird, and he's got, like, the tiny little body with the massive head. That's just the most terrifying thing about that movie. Yeah, keep, you see, you know, yeah. I was wondering where is the, reason, is the reason I don't remember anything from this movie, the fact that I watched it, like, in school when I was in second class, so I would have been, like, eight at the oldest, and now I'm just wondering, <laughs> did I just block it all out, like, as a traumatic, like, um, <laughs> event? Mm. Yeah, I do you have any more questions about Mystery Inc. Alley? Um not sure. Um how many seasons are there? I didn't realise that the show had seasons until and then I was like you were mentioning a season one finale. Like. There's two seasons, and I think it's a twenty six okay. episodes per season, or is that the fourth season? Mathematically that works. Yeah. Out. Yeah, because episode yeah. twenty six is all fear the freak. And then yes. episode one or episode twenty-seven then is the night the clown cried part one, and it's yeah, really it's weird the way they do that. Do you know what I didn't get? Yeah, is are you gonna say about like how it's part two is episode three? Yes, where I they put the Baba Yaga too. episode. I love the Baba Yaga episode. Me too, but I feel like why was it put there? Why was that not episode three? I don't know because at the I suppose at the end you have the resolution of. Some of the drama, and you, you probably know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, and so it wouldn't make sense, given the uh, like what Velma and Hot Dog Water are doing in episode two. Yeah. But it's very weird that it's a two-parter and not like an unrelated plot, which serves the same purpose as episode three. Yeah, I don't know. Not running parallel. It's like here's part one, then we'll put this in like the middle and give you part two after. Oh, yeah, it was a weird way to. It was an unusual way to air them, mm. but like it didn't, it, it didn't make too much of a difference, like in the grand scheme of things. I suppose it was just at the time, it's like okay, this way, yeah, boys, it was just weird. It was just kind of I don't know, yeah, non-linear storytelling. Yeah, because yeah. I suppose they could have done it as episode three, put episode two as three, and then gone. This is a flashback, um, or even hmm. like, yeah, I don't know. There's one episode in season two that is, it's called Art of Darkness. Do you remember that one? Oh, that's the one with the, um, yeah, the Andy Warhol stand-in. Yeah. <laughs> Randy Warsaw. <laughs> Randy Warsaw. Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> I've seen that one pretty recently, though, and the, there's, like, it goes beyond just being, like, an Andy Warhol parody. They, like, parody the Velvet Underground and Eco as well. There's, like, it's the opening scene. They're in, like, an art gallery. And, like, this band are playing. And, like, the character's clearly meant to be, like, Lou Reed, like, playing the guitar and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> what? Like, I was like, what kid watching Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated is going to be like, hey, oh, that's Velvet Underground. Like, it's just, like, it's just one of these weird little kind of... <laughs> exactly like hey i love nico it's, it's oh. always a weird kind of niche references that they put in like just for like the fun of it but like look at us mm. like it, it kept us entertained like we found it funny so like 
And yeah, I, yeah, I don't know how old you are, Sean. Yeah, I'm 24. Yeah, like, I mean, that came out when I was, like, 11. And it's still with me now at 21. Um, Literally. It's like, I feel like that just comes back to the whole, like, universality of Scooby-Doo. Like, you, any, like, you can enjoy it any age like it is one of those things like where you would watch it as a kid and if you like really enjoy it as a kid it does follow you through to like adulthood absolutely mm. and now ali will hopefully watch it i uh you know like and start this journey in adulthood you know yeah. like, <laughs> so, uh, mm-hmm. do you think after this you you're like you think you're gonna watch it after this just oh, of course kind like, of you told me like i saw it. i saw episode with like um Fred being obsessed with traps, um, an overarching story, like, you told me like that. I walk here is done. Clearly. <laughs> this is all, this is all a ploy, we're actually, like, sponsored by Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Yeah, we're in yeah, the pocket of big Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not fun, but, like, if they want to. Yeah. <laughs> I just... Like, I feel like we're we're kind of winding down, but it reminded me <clears> of one of my favorite things to do is come up with, like, terminology for stuff. And so it's like, I tried to come up with official terminology for Scooby-Doo. And I did you watch the series that came out after Mystery Incorporated? Be cool, Scooby-Doo, Sean. I didn't watch it, like, religiously like I did with Mystery Incorporated. I'd seen, like, episodes, like, every now and again. Um, I really liked what they did with Daphne in that series as well. I remember specifically just one episode mm-hmm. where she gets... Doesn't she get, like, obsessed with, like... Is it, like, finger puppets or something like that? She makes, like, Mystery Ink. <laughs> like, finger puppet yes. versions of Mystery Ink. And, like... Yeah. There's a scene where, like, the Daphne one, like, is slipping off her hand. And it's, like, played really dramatic. And she's, like, trying to hold on for dear life. That's my, like, own... Yeah, because... She's hanging off a rooftop with one hand and the other hand has her puppet on it and the puppet is like, you need to let me go. You need to be the one who lives. <laughs> and first of all, like, yeah. Iconic. If, if Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated makes Fred batshit insane, Be Cool Scooby-Doo makes Daphne batshit insane where every oh. new, every episode, she has this new, like, insane hobby. There's an episode where they're in the museum and her new hobby is falconry. Uh, <laughs> that woman has no um, hinges in. Of course, yeah. <laughs> but it's also like she's voiced by Grey Delisle, who you know she voiced uh, Azula in um, Avatar: The Last Airbender, so she yes. knows how to do unhinged. And she really um, makes it work, like in the context of Daphne's character as well. I feel like it doesn't feel weird. You're like, you know what? I I can picture Daphne like getting into all these real like niche interests and just like. Mm. I Maybe think Daphne Blake. Like yes, that's what I was yes. gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Get Daphne on talk about puppetry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so there's this one episode of Scooby Doo, Be Cool Scooby Doo, where there's you know how there's always one person that the narr and like you know even from what you've seen of Scooby Doo Alley, I feel like this is probably evident. Like there's one person that the narrative pushes that like this is the person behind the mask. Um, you know, yeah. in the original Scooby-Doo, it used to be just whoever Don Knotts was playing. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, like, you know, if you've seen any of the old Scooby-Doo's, he's like, he's the guy who talks like this all the time, you know? Eh. <laughs> Big is. Yeah, but um, 
in this one, it's like basically these scarecrows that are on farms. Um, this is different to the What's New Scooby-Doo episode about scarecrows. Um, the guest star and Kiss? Yeah. But, <laughs> weird. But um, there's this one ominous guy who's hanging around and every time he speaks, they show his face at like a, like a three-quarter angle upwards, like looking up at his face and it's all like shadowy. <laughs> And he talks like really ominously. Every line he speaks, it's like this. Um, <laughs> and then at the end, it's revealed that he's not the person behind the mask. And <laughs> then they're like, well, what are you? And then he's like, turns out he's doing like a survey for like the natural gas under the line, uh, like under the land. <laughs> and that's that's what he's at the entire time. But then they're like, so who are you? And then does the close up, the shadowy close up again. And he goes, I'm the man from the gas company. And and so I've taken that to be like the official Scooby-Doo terminology for uh, like the person that the narrative wants you to think. Is it like, oh, flag. that's the man from the, the gas red company. Like red hair. God. Yeah. Red because it's also like in Mystery Incorporated, you have the episode in the graveyard where they're like, it's quite clearly this dude whose last name is Evil. Yes. You know, and they're like, no, sorry, we're distracted by uh, Swedish people who are giving us meatballs. Velma, you must be lying. Um, and so <laughs> you have that. And it turns out it is, but everyone ignores the fact. Mm. And then also in What's New Scooby-Doo, there's the one where the villain is a giant like eagle spirit thing where they go and visit oh, yeah. one of Shaggy's friends and they unmask it at the end. They go... And behind the mask, it's secretly someone we've never met. You know? <laughs> yeah, just like some or... guy. Wait. Oh, do either of you remember that episode of What's New Scooby-Doo? Where the villain of that of the episode is an AI which has become sentient. I think so. Is this the Pokemon episode? I've seen that one, no. No, it's the, where they're in the house of the future. And the oh, AI sorry. comes to yeah, so that one, first of all, it's fucking terrifying. And second of all, they beat it by ignoring it and its need for attention <laughs> short circuits it. But that's another me on, good me like, on Me on Twitter, like if you ignore me for long enough, <laughs> I will deactivate. Yeah, but like that's another one where they go, oh, it must be this person who's acting shifty. And with each successive person, something happens where they get like taken away or kidnapped or they're attacked and it's like, quite clearly can't be them so then mm. they run out of suspects and they're like well who the fuck must it be and then the house is like it was me <laughs> um so yeah i don't know what do you think of the man from the gas company as an official term i think it's a fantastic term it really sums up and as well i feel like a lot of like scooby-doo like villain alter egos are always like boring kind of things like that like wasn't like mr carlswell like the creeper he was like the bank manager or something like that yes it's always like some sort of like official guy like just some like some white collar dude like in a in like a halloween costume like so i feel like the man from the gas company really like sums that up yeah yeah most of the old scooby-doo villains are just old white men who want land and or money um and isn't that the real enemy that's yeah. what Scooby-Doo thought. Scooby-Doo was what radicalized us all, all from a young age. Clearly. 
that's the other takeaway from this. Yeah. And there was there is that like fan theory that like in the original Scooby Doo they were actually like dra they were dodging their like Vietnam War drafts. That's what they were like that's why they were like travelling around like real kind of like nomadically. Like they didn't have In like, a hippie van. Like, in a hippie van. Um Shaggy This makes way being, too much sense. Yeah, no, Shaggy being like this like Shaggy would have been like definitely like anti-war like mm. stone though of his head like if it, the more you think about it the more sense it actually makes mm. yeah as well because like it was created like the first scooby-doo came out in 1969 which was you know like towards the start of nixon saying you know we're going to retreat with honor from vietnam yeah. you know yeah. like it was towards the start of that um so like i would not be surprised if like the underlying politics of Scooby-Doo is a reaction to uh, Johnson Nixon uh, war policies. I don't know. Hanna Barbara, mm. explain. Release the state. Or it could be just the fact that like the people at Hanna Barbera were like out of their fucking faces and they were like, you know what? We'll be, be class, a talking dog, doing spooky <laughs> shit. Yeah. But like, bitable, yeah. bitable. Yeah, yeah. I think there is like a there's a Venn diagram here that we could map out at mm. some time. Absolutely. Mm. That's for the bonus episode. Yes. <laughs> Where we delve into like the political undertones of Scooby Doo and how it connects to the Vietnam War. Clearly. I feel like that's a good place to wrap it up. Like Scoob, this reminds me of back in Vietnam. <laughs> Vietnam. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Jinkies! <laughs> Should we wrap it up there? I think, yeah, that's... That's a any... good note to go out on. Is yeah. there anything else anyone wants to add or anyone wants to say? I think I'm good. I don't think I could top that. <laughs> no, I'll just, I'll just add as a way to segue into the closing segment one of my favorite lines from Shaggy in the original series, I think it's the Space Cook episode where they barricade the door and then uh, Space Cook comes in through the other door into the room and he goes, like, that, like, Scoop, that's our cutest skidoo. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like this, listeners, is our cue to skidoo. Yes, uh, Sean, where can we find you? Anything you want to plug or anything? Oh god, um, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter if you want, at Crumlin Gothic, um, for more spooky content. Um, I mean, I made a web series last year uh, called Shutter Street. It's on YouTube. It's four episodes. They're only short. If you get a chance, if you're into, like, horror, if you're into, like, Irish, like, um, independent stuff, then definitely give it a watch. Um, but, yeah, no, thanks so much for having us on. I really enjoyed it. Uh, talking in depth about Scooby-Doo and um, I'm delighted to be I'm delighted to be on this thanks we were delighted to have you uh, Nigel where can we find you um, you can mainly find me on Twitter at Spicy Nigel where um, oh yeah I was trying to like I didn't have Twitter open I'm like what the fuck have I like what deranged <laughs> thoughts have gone on to my timeline and oh yeah one I tweeted from this morning which just reads god I fucking love cereal it's our greatest invention I would eat it all the time if I could which is true I stand by that um, that's a good that's, those are some good thoughts uh, you can find me on twitter uh, alleycat underscore alleycat like alleyway cat spelled with a k and 
You can find me on Instagram at Ali, A-L-L-Y underscore K underscore Keegan. Uh, both of those, which I can, I just post whenever my Twitter content, um, significantly more deranged than my Instagram content. <laughs> you can find I'm really the liking the, uh, I'm really liking all the skating content. Thank you. I'm still down to roller skate though, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. <no. laughs> uh, yeah, again, don't ask. Um, but um, you can find the podcast at HyperFixationsP on Twitter. Or at HyperFixationsPod on Instagram. Rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, be that Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or inside a locket at the bottom of a cave, wherever. If you would like to come onto the show to talk about one of your hyperfixations, please reach. Fe- please feel free to reach out at any of the aforementioned social media. And that is all. Sean, you're an absolute pleasure to have on. Oh, it's a pleasure been chatting uh, to both of you. Um, it's not often we get to talk that in-depth about Scooby-Doo, so it's been a real experience. Thanks for having us on. Amazing. Goodbye, no everyone. Bye. Bye. Signing off.